poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, today is Tuesday, so these are your hosts, Coach Brad Wilson and John. What up, sir? How you doing? I'm pretty good. We got a, a whole episode dedicated to everyone's favorite poker hands today. Yeah, taking a page out of Jennifer Shahadi's book and choosing a hand on the grid um maybe you know maybe we can do some more of these hand themed episodes like I, I can just get you out there trying to like win big pots with like eight deuce off or something <laughs> for a tactical tuesday you know <laughs> like what comes first you win a big pot or you lose five buy-ins <laughs> it's like a, a a weekly john challenge okay this week is the seven tray off best of luck let's see what spot you can win um for tactical tuesday yeah uh but yeah, we, we've got everybody's favorite hand, um, you know, the fourth best hand in poker, which you would think that that, that would, people would be excited when they have two jacks, but it doesn't it's seem to be It's kind of crazy, case. like how, it's like, it's definitely like a part of poker culture, you know, like the, the jacks lore, where like, you know, if someone just says like, ah, you know, one of my least favorite hands, like I could probably guess it's going to be jacks, you know, most of the time when someone says that at like a live table or something like that. And you see it all the time, people raise to like obscene sizes pre-flop and then they just turn over jacks and like, yeah, I just didn't want to see a flop with this hand because, you know, I hate playing jacks specifically. It's an interesting microcosm for, I think, for something that I think like lots of players do. And that is avoid the feeling of being uncomfortable and not know what to do, right? I think that's like, as you get further in the decision tree, it comes up again and again in like coaching sessions of like, well, yeah, I just jammed the turn because I didn't know what to do on the river. And it's like, wait, so we're just putting all the money in to avoid an uncomfortable spot, even though you think it's not good, like that, that's not good. And yeah, so all of that can be traced back to, you know, jacks and just feeling uncomfortable and not knowing what to do and just wanting it to be done with like right then and there right and i don't know what these hands are really going to look like we we just went through your database found two ones that we thought were somewhat interesting and, and just going to run with them so yeah i guess we, we can start breaking down the action now with uh, the old jack balls oh, so in the small blind uh this is six max five ten um, online, I think the button folds. I'm obviously going to be opening pocket jack, small blind versus big blind. I make it thirty dollars. The big don't blind. You, don't defense. you know how hard they are to play, John? Yeah, maybe I should have just made it like hundred and thirty. <laughs> <laughs> tabled my hand like right after. <laughs> yeah. Yep. See, <laughs> this is my range when I make it thirteen x. Yeah, ma- makes sense, right? Anyways, not a very exciting flop. Uh, king of clubs, four of clubs, three of hearts. Um, it's always going to be starting with check. Going to be just checking a lot on, you know, high, low, low boards in general. I think um, you just got to be careful. Even when you have like a king um, in these spots, the high, low, low boards, I think are generally going to be uh, 
slightly favored towards uh equity wise slightly favored towards the preflop caller like they're gonna have you know uh, a lot of stuff that interacts with like the the low low cards um in any case i think Jax is like a, a very clear and comfortable check on, on this board considering i have second pair and, and you know i'm not looking to put in tons of money so i checked big blind goes ahead and bets uh about two-thirds pot 3850 into 60 dollars uh, not much to do here, especially blind versus blinds. Um, he could be, maybe, maybe once he bets this size, we can start eliminating the idea that like the big blind is betting worse hands for value. But this is just such a wide formation spot that um, nothing to do but just call with the jacks. I think even facing the big size here. Yeah, I mean, villain has so many combos, right? And like when villain has so many combos in their preflop range and they polarize, like it's just very it's much easier for them to have too many bluffs than too much value um which makes calling just pretty far and away the best option so you go ahead and call and for those of you that may be thinking raise no don't don't do that we, we don't want to target like the hands that are better than ours by uh raising the flop and calling it is just the best path um so the turn is eight of diamonds so we have king four tray two clubs turns the eight of diamonds there's 137 in the pot uh john has 950 behind he checks and villain bet big on flop so villain bets big on turn um, they bet 100 which is again about 75 percent of pot um i guess you're obviously going to call here but what do you think would be their value range in this spot like do you think they're choosing the size with a hand like say king jack off um i think once i think that's a really good question i think once uh the big blind goes big bet big bet they're starting to narrow their value range down significantly um i don't know that like I, maybe like king jack gets in there um probably king 10 king queen i think king queen can certainly do this like king queen that doesn't three bet pre-flop like that's also a stretch i would expect like a lot of you know, all their king queen offsuits and definitely all their king queen suited to be like three betting preflop. Um, but yeah, I think like at this point, like he's starting to rub like a very, very thin value range where like I don't know that like the king tens and like you know, king nines, king sevens bet this size on on flop and turn. Um, at this point, I'm kind of expecting like a value range that's like two pair plus. Um, or that that's like kind of the the, the range that I that I would expect to lose to, but like you said on the flop, like on this two-tone, you know, high low low board, there's just so many easy bluffs for for the big blind to to just go crazy with. Um that, you know, I think on the eight of diamonds turn, it's just like a it's a very clean, you know, it's like one of the best turns I think that I could have asked for. Um it doesn't improve like I don't know. I don't think it improves any of the hands that like I was that I might have been beating on the flop. So maybe key um, yeah, but I'm like losing to King Eight on the flop anyway. So like, yeah, maybe it does give him like one more value hand that he can start like betting this betting this size um, on the turn with. But uh, overall, just not not too worried about the Eight of Diamonds. And and yeah, like I'm, I don't know if this is what you're alluding to, but like I'm starting to get more and more suspicious when <laughs> when when the big blind uses these big sizes twice in a row. Well, they just have a lot of available natural bluffs: five, six, six, seven, Ace, Deuce, Ace, five, right? Um, five Deuce, like or just some other hands that we can't really imagine like all queen the 10, queen jack jack 10 who knows yeah 
um, hands that block some of the better continues with their King X. Some clubs, uh, I think Villain will have a decent amount of clubs. Uh, they'll also three bet a lot of those clubs as well, pre. Right. Um, but yeah, just when, when they're repping King Four, King Trey, Trey's and Fours, and King Eight, maybe Trey Four suited. Narrow range. They've got a lot of a lot of available bluffs. So yeah, calling just makes sense. Um, and now the river pairs the eight, and it is the eight of clubs. So now we do have a flush on the board. The front door flush comes in, and the board pairs. Um, I think the board pairing is well. We can we can talk about it. We check, and villain bets a third, which <laughs> really makes your life quite easy here. They they just. Um, Let's you off the hook a little bit, right? I think. Yeah. Honestly, I'm like a little bit more. I'm a little sad to see the size on the river. I think this is like, if I had to guess like what, what's going on in, in the big blind's head, I'm I'm guessing he's saying like, well, once the flush draw gets there, um, I don't have as many, I can't rep as many bluffs anymore. Like my most, my most obvious kind of double barrel bluffs uh, just became flushes. So uh, I'm left with a lot of value on the river. I'm left with like my strong King X, my pocket threes, pocket fours, um, my King eights, and then flushes. And so like my only bluffs, I think uh, my kind of my only perceived bluffs on the river are going to be like Yo, straight draws are bluffed too, guys. Straight draws, they're yeah, yeah, bluffs yeah. too. People right, right, always right. forget about the straight draws. They're they're the you know, the abandoned combos in villains range. The orphan, yeah, the the orphan, <laughs> the one that nobody thinks about. Like, yeah, there's so many, so many different straight draws, you know, in poker, it's actually, it's easier to make a straight than a flush. That's why flushes are more valuable, which (laughs) has to mean that there's more straight draws than flush draws, right? Like this kind of makes sense to me, or it's easier to make a straight draw than it is a flush draw. Uh, Oh, in any case, I was like (laughs) sad to see the small size, just thinking that it's, I mean, it it does make it easier. Like I'm getting a great price to call in a wide formation spot. I'm I'm obviously never folding jacks uh, facing like the small size on the river, given that they, you know, can still have like all those straight draws available. But in general, I would expect the straight draws to go big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, I think like the, the downside to using the sizing as a bluff is like, you give villain a great price and like, it's easy to have a lot of natural air balls that make calling. Okay. <laughs> because you know, uh, you only need to win 22% of the time here on the river. And I mean, yeah, we, we can imagine like the hands we said, five, six, six, seven, five, seven, ace, deuce, ace, deuce, ace five, ace five. There's a lot of them. Yeah. We do call and see the six, seven offsuit. Yeah. They, they, I think, you pegged what they were thinking accurately, but I think where they went wrong was realizing that like, oh yeah, if I've got the six, seven and the five, seven and the five, six and the ace deuce and the ace five, that's actually a lot of hands that didn't get there on the river. Yeah. Um, that yeah. Make, <laughs> makes bluff catching pretty simple. Yeah. All right. So first hand, well done. You, you managed to navigate playing pocket jacks. Well, you want to, 60 big blind pot. Um, this is how it's done, ladies and gentlemen. We've put it put it to bed of how you play pocket jacks. You just check check and call any bet. Yeah, just close it, your eyes, click hit call three times, and hope, <laughs> hope the pot is coming to you after you click call the third time. Easy peasy. Um, and after the break, we'll have another pocket jacks hand that is quite different than this one. 
It's uh, one of the John specials. So stick around. Way more exciting. You want to stick around for this one for sure. Don't miss it. <laughs> well done. You're, you're getting better. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> the decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Pre-flop bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your pre-flop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your pre-flop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. John, I wanted to ask you why you decided to invest in a preflop bootcamp. Everything that you had done with me to that point, or I had heard you do, had impressed me. I love the podcast. I accidentally ended up in the poker power hour and loved that. And then I took coaching and then you recommended the boot camp, and at first I didn't think it was, you know, something that would be that valuable. But I was like, everything else has been amazing, so I signed up, and then it just blew me away. And what about boot camp blew you away? Like it started off slow. Like I'm learning these ranges, and I'm not even understanding what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, as I start to understand what we're doing with the three bets, the four bets, and all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh my God, how do I not know this stuff? This is amazing. The more I studied them, I started to understand why they were constructed sometimes. Like I'd be like, that's why that's like that. And that would lead to more revelations and just a better understanding of poker in general. Do you have any interesting takeaways from your bootcamp experience? The most interesting thing about the bootcamp it's a pre-flop boot camp, but I feel like it's done as much for my post game as it did for my pre-game, just because I'm not in as many awkward and bad situations as I found myself in. You know, when we were doing coaching before the boot camp, we couldn't get through 10, 15 minutes of tape without finding mistake after mistake. And then once we did the boot camp, it solved problems on the back end as well. I know you've studied for a thousand hours this year. How do you think boot camp compares to your other poker study? Oh, it's crazy. The boot camp is probably the most important thing I've done all year out of everything. I would give anything to go back and to, to know that stuff 10 years ago. I can't imagine how successful I'd be right now if I had known that stuff. And I thought the boot camp was so valuable that I literally insisted you take more money from me and paid you more for the boot camp because I was blown away. I just thought the price was too cheap and it's changed my game in ways that I, I can't even explain to you. If you'd like to join the next round of Preflop Boot Camp, which starts on the last Saturday of every month, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp to lock up your spot. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. All right. John did such a great job of building this hand up to 
uh, holds your interest and excitement. Um, so now we have two jacks in the second hand. We're playing 1K no limit, which is feels like it's the the, the typical stake on Tactical Tuesday for the most part. Um, you've got two jacks on the button, so. I mean, you may have this hand that's impossible to play, but at least you have position, right? So that that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. That's why I've only made it three big blinds. Yeah, that's that's a good yeah, point. That's I'm a on the button. Point. Yeah. Uh, big blind defends. You open it 3x. Big blind defends. You get the, the flop of your dreams here. Uh, Ace of hearts, king of spades. Six of diamonds. Fill in checks. And... Similar story, I think, on the previous as like on the previous flop, it's just not a board that I'm looking going to be looking to put in extra money if I don't have to. Um, Where's the old days of just like uh, range bet a third here? Just one third, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> long gone. Range range bet a third here. We uh, how far we've come from range betting a third on every single board? Like, well, I could check back the flop. That's <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> um, so you check back. Woo. What a life. <laughs> There are hands in your range you, you want to check back. Probably hands like King Queen and King Jack and King Ten and maybe some like weaker aces as well. Yep. Might make some sense here. Yep. Um and villain checks a turn. The turn is the eight of spades. So flop point check check. There's 65 in the pot. Uh the effective stacks don't matter because we ain't we ain't making it that far. Um, hey, hey, you know, you uh, never know what could happen on the river. <laughs> they're gonna know, John. They're gonna know you. <laughs> We've built this hand up to something that uh, m- maybe it's gonna fall short of expectations here at at the end. Uh, I I don't know, but you check. Uh, villain checks. You check behind, so we make it to the river. Um, there's still six big blinds in the pot, and the river's a ten of diamonds, and the villain bets. Uh, <laughs> What could be half pot? I'm not exactly sure. No, it's like less. It's like this weird size. I don't. I don't know what this is. Like some forty something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forty forty percent. It looks like. Yeah. What are your thoughts here before you do anything? Um, I think that villain can certainly have lots of like one pair of hands that are value betting river uh, now. I think certainly all their ASEX that doesn't bet the turn, which I think is also reasonable, by the way, for them to like check a hand like Ace Deuce, Ace Three, Ace Four, Ace Five, like the weakest ASEX, and just go for one value bet. Um, I think can definitely bet the size. I think some of the stronger King X can start betting this size as well. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see either of those hands in their value range. I don't think that Villain is ever value betting a hand that is worse than Pocket Jacks. I think. I would be very surprised to see villain like to call this river and then see villain show up with like 10 X. Um, that would be a little bit too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, also like, I think my hand kind of looks a lot like what it is. Um, in this spot when I check back, when I open pre check back, ace, king, six, check back turn. Um, it's going to be like a lot of you know, jacks, queens, nines, tens, those sorts of hands. Yeah. And villain has mostly one pair of hands. Unless it's like ace ten that improved or eight ten or like six ten suited or something like that, I, right. I think like their two pair generally bets on the turn after the flop goes check check. So yeah, villain's got mostly one pair of hands. I think you have mostly one pair of hands. Uh, I guess your tens gets promoted to a set. You have king ten. I think it's 
I mean, maybe you could have Queen Jack as well. I think Queen Jack has showdown value just with its queen high. On right. I think like the nut X. no pair, I think that's a really good point. Like a hand like Queen Jack where that's nut no pair is like very similar to a hand like pocket deuces um, essentially. And like, I would just check back pocket deuces hoping to just get to showdown with those hands. So um, I think, yeah, I think, you know, checking down Queen Jack in the spot, Queen Jack high in the spot is, is very, very reasonable. Yeah, which makes, you know, Basically, we're trying to figure out the hands that would check down to make your raise make some sense here if you're trying to fold out like Ace-X. And I think you do have some reasonable hands that check down and that would raise the river. I also think that like it's hard to find hands that check down and raise the river that aren't beating one pair, right? Like You've really got to be turning a 10, maybe a 6 into a bluff um, by raising the river here. Yeah, maybe sevens or nines make some sense. Ah, I guess so, like if I you, guess like if, before we even like get into like the raised river conversation, like do we need to raise the river? Like, is Jacks just not good enough to call? You think? I don't think so. The way that this board, like, I don't think villain has enough no no pair hands, and I don't also don't think they have enough thin value bets that you beat. Like you said, I, I don't think Queen Ten is betting the river, um, mm. which is probably. Like, do they just have right? enough bluffs? You think in this spot where like yeah, we I can don't, just I don't think so. I mean, call with jacks. Maybe like Queen Five suited or Jack X suited. We have two jacks. Like I think any eight, six, or ten is most certainly just checking the river. So like basically, they just need to have like Queen Five suited or Jack X suited. Maybe like four or five suited or something like that maybe there's like some nine x seven x seven five suited yeah uh queen nine jack nine notice a lot of these hands that i'm have jacks in them uh, yeah that, I, that i'm fighting have jacks in them which is not good when we have two jacks ourselves um so i i, I do think you probably have to raise on this specific board if the river's like a deuce then maybe not um if the river's like a six or an eight then maybe not but I think the 10 is just connects things to where it's kind of hard for us to find a lot of uh, natural bluffs and villain will check most of their ace X on the flop and the turn. And also they're like King queen on the flop and the turn as well. So mm -hmm. yeah. it makes sense that like they have natural value bets, not a lot of natural bluffs. And so raising instead of bluff catching feels like it goes up in value to me. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's what I was thinking as well. I don't know if I like went that far in my like actual in-game thought process, but um, as you know, <laughs> previous episodes of Tactical Tuesday have shown, my general philosophy on the river these days is like if I don't feel great about calling, my in immediate next thought is, can I get away with raising? So, uh, pretty sure that was like the extent of my thought process here. <laughs> I mean. Uh I also think like theoretically it makes sense too, right? Like to me that yeah, you, yeah. in order yeah, to have, in order to have bluffs, you need to, you almost need to have a pair. Yeah. Um, so you have to turn some of those and like this one blocks the queen Jack, mm -hmm. which is certainly in villains range. And that's just quite nice. Mm -hmm. uh, also blocks like, uh, yeah, ace Jack, but that's going to be a three bet, I think for the most part, but anyway, yeah, you go ahead and you, you go for it. Um, for the 140 and villain folds villain says no i don't want any 
What do they have though? I don't actually know what they have yet. Um, ooh, look at them. They they went for it with the king. It's quite yeah. thin. Quite yeah, thin. This is. They're not going like, to like this when they look it up afterwards. Uh, maybe like the actual bottom. Like, I don't know. Do you think this is just like way too thin to bet on the river? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Jack's not being a good bluff catcher. Yeah. So Jack's is like one of the best hands that they beat besides Queens. And if Jack's is deciding to turn itself into a bluff rather than bluff catch, there's probably, you, you've probably gone too thin, I think. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Oh man, I I sort of like understand this guy's desire to value better value better the kinger, especially with, with the kicker that plays. With like, <laughs> I get it too. I, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I I get it. Like, and God knows that I value bet thinner than this in my poker career, way thinner than this. I remember a hand I played a while back where I uh, I value bet Ace Jack high, and it it worked out about as terribly as value betting Ace Jack high could go. I got ra- <laughs> got raised and snapped it. Um. <laughs> oh, like, oh yeah you think i call They're like <laughs> nut boat and i was like okay i was value well, betting bro like, well, played. <laughs> <laughs> well played well played um yeah so i understand it but I, but i think it's a good find here with with your jacks and you know the longtime tactical tuesday listeners will notice that yeah we're Turning pairs into bluffs, I, I have to live with it these days. It's just part of part of my reality. So <laughs> you make peace with your reality. You you don't try to change it. Um, I think that's that's going to do it for this episode of Tactical Tuesday. Even though had a hand where we checked down to the river, I, I think it is an interesting spot. And like for Tactical Tuesday listeners, you can get back to us about hands like this where, you know, there are multiple streets with no action, right? But these are the type of hands that you play in poker the majority of the time. And um, it's fun getting to parts of the decision tree that we haven't really discussed in depth a ton on Tactical Tuesday. And uh, also, yeah, send us some themes. We need Tactical Tuesday themes, guys, where our creative juices are lacking, I think. I think... Just one last like kind of educational thing that I'll add to like this episode is that yeah. if I did bet one, if I just range bet a third with this hand on the flop or like, you know, bet too thinly on the turn or whatever, uh, that what that involved not checking both flop and turn, I probably don't find a way to win this hand. No. Um you bet yeah. the flop, then you check back, check back, and right. lose. And I think that's something that's like a little bit unintuitive and and um, something that like I, I didn't really understand until like I started like checking back flops, but like checking back can actually like open these doors up that like don't exist for you to like find ways to fold out king nine or you know ace deuce or something like that. Where whereas like if you start by range betting flop, I assume you're just like checking turn and river and just losing to all the ace x and king x. Yeah. Um, we could bet check bet, John. Let's not lose out hope. You could bet a third, check back turn, and go crazy on the ten river. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so <laughs> there are other ways to win the hand, but uh, I, I think like you know, just don't think that like oh, just because you're you know you're checking back, like you've given up all hope on on yeah. finding ways, finding creative ways to win. So yeah, that's just the last thing I wanted to add. Yeah. These branches of the decision tree exist for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. find them, figure them out, and uh, yeah, I think that's just 
a thing going back to the, the original theme, Jack's hard to play. Well, put yourself in uncomfortable spots that are currently difficult for you to play. And maybe a year from now, they won't be so difficult if you um, put yourself out there. And I think it's just a necessary part of poker progression. Um, and yeah, that'll do it for today's episode of Tactical Tuesday. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.